So to continue the conversation about milestones, 33 baseball players have 3,000 hits in Major League Baseball history. 50 guys have scored 2,000 points, or excuse me, 20,000 20, points, points in NBA history. Like, should 20,000 points be the 3,000 hit mark of the NBA? How many was 3,000 hits? Uh, 33, and it's 50 for uh, 20,000 points. How many people scored 25,000 points? 23. But we don't care that much about 25. Nobody's like, oh, you got to 3,500 hits or 550 home runs. It's five. No, the benchmark's 3,000. Yeah. So it's like 20,000. Hey, right. And that, I mean, that feels like what we should do. Oh, he reached 20,000 points. He's one of the 50 best players or best scorers of all time. Right. Like that sh- feels like that's what we should do, but we just do not care. I can't remember the last time I even saw. I a- can't even remember when someone scored 20,000 points that they put it a headline on. Right. Like it's probably just- LeBron. Might have been it. Like maybe I think doesn't he have the record for the youngest player at every scoring yeah. milestone? Yes, the youngest yes. hit a thousand, two thousand, and and forever. Yes. So probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like who's on here? Chris Paul's an active player who's got twenty one thousand points. Um, I don't remember. Like ah, Demar Derozan has twenty one thousand points too. By Demar the way. Derozan, does he really? yeah, Demar Derozan. The fiftieth uh, place on this is Antoine Jameson, by the way. But uh, yeah. DeMar DeRozan has the 40th most points in NBA history. DeMar DeRozan is going to pass Larry Bird in career points before his career is over. He's better than Larry Bird. He's, he's going to pass him like, is he going to pass him this year? He might pass him nah, probably next year. He's going to pass Larry Bird in career points. DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Superstar. Obviously. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a surprise yeah. you threw out. It is. Chris Paul wasn't. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Cam Thomas scored 47 for the Nets. No idea who this guy is still. He has back-to-back 40-point games since Kyrie Irving was traded. He is the second youngest player in NBA history to have back-to-back 40-plus point games. Only LeBron was younger to have back-to-back 40-point-plus games. So Cam Thomas against Washington over the weekend. Scored 44 on 16 of 23 shooting. And then last night against the Clippers had 47 on 15 of 29 shooting. This guy is the best player in the history of the Nets. (laughs) It's better than Keith Van Horn. I don't want to hear about Jason Kidd either. This guy is unbelievable. The Nets did lose the game. Um, They didn't have, it was Cam Thomas against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They need to get him some help now. Uh, But I, I watched the majority of this game. He genuinely was incredible. If like, a week ago I said they need to get Cam Thomas some help, we both would have said, who the hell's Cam Thomas? <laughs> that is what I said over the weekend. It's <laughs> like, who scored 40 for the Nets? And then he did it again. Like, j- like they just, their offense was just Cam Thomas, here's a ball screen, go score. And he did for 47. And it wasn't even low efficiency. He only took 29 shots. Does he sit tonight versus Suns or does he go off for 50? <laughs> he's like, I don't think he sits. He's young. He's taken 40. They're finally going to give him 40 shots in a game. He might score 80 tonight. All right. Well, he plays the Suns. He's going to outshine LeBron tonight. LeBron's going to set the scoring record. And all we're going to be talking about tomorrow is Cam Thomas went for 60 points. Forget about that. Cam Thomas is going to set the scoring record tonight. He's scoring 39,000 points in tonight's <laughs> game. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right. We didn't get to this yesterday. We should have. Jim Beheim, Uh, He accused other teams of buying players. 
He talked ESPN. He said he's coming back for next year, and he gave this quote, though. This is an awful place we're in in college basketball. Pittsburgh bought a team. Okay, fine. My big donor talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money. Nothing. Not one guy. Our guys make like $20,000. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought a team. It's like, really? This is where we are? That's really where we are, and it's only going to get worse. Okay, is this the ultimate get off my lawn guy? One hundred percent. Jim Beheim, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Jim Beheim saying this. There's so much in that quote that I love. First off, the general sentiment is he wants us to feel bad for him and Syracuse, and Syracuse basketball. basketball. Yeah, nobody's gonna feel bad for him in Syracuse, especially when he's complaining about Pitt, Wake Forest, and Miami, Miami. basketball. Second. He's like, my guys don't give any money out, and then says, our guys make $20,000. How much does he think the guys at UNLV are making? Like, well, what, is know. He, what does he think this is? He's like, oh, my guys make 20 grand, that, but they don't get any money. What's he doing there? And then third, if it's so bad, the whole point of the story he talked to ESPN for was about him coming back next year. Yeah. If it's so bad, just if retire. You, if you're so upset at how college basketball is going and where it's at right now, then don't coach anymore. What's he, 70? Like mid-70s? I think he's mid-70s. He also gave a quote saying it's just the calendar. Yeah, I saw that quote. I saw that quote. (laughs) He said if I was in my 60s, nobody would bring it up. What is he? He is 78, will be 79 this year. He's 78? Yep, he was born in 1944. And then I think actually the, the best part, though, is Jim Beheim. he apologized. To pit Wake Forest in Miami. Called him up. Yep. Yeah. No, no. He public. He said he put out a yeah, public apology. Yeah, he publicly apologized. But when he apologized to those teams, in his apology, he said, "I didn't mean to imply that they paid their players." And it's like, Jim, you didn't imply it. You said they you bought. You said a they team. bought teams. That's not implying it. No, that's that's a flat <laughs> say that you think they bought teams. That's his direct. Pitt bought a team. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought it. That's as plainly as you can say. They bought a team. Oh, and one other thing. I think he admitted to breaking the NCAA rules because when he says my donor talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money, even though we all know they do, coaches are not supposed no. to talk to people that give coaches out NIL money. are not supposed to have anything to do with uh, NIL or uh, you know the boosters or anybody. It's all supposed to be on the other side of it. They're not supposed right. to have to do with anything. They're not supposed to recruit to it. Right. Uh, they they're supposed to let that uh, let other people handle that. Now we're not naive enough to think coaches aren't doing no, that, of course but they're not coming out and saying my booster doesn't give anybody right. any money. I talk to him all the time. I wonder about where it. the twenty thousand comes from. <laughs> Next question: T. Higgins could be traded by the Bengals. Uh, he has one more season on his rookie deal, so he can play next year for the Bengals. No problem. It's not like he's going to be a free agent or anything. He's got back to back thousand yard seasons, but. They have not agreed on a contract extension with T. Higgins. Should the Bengals move him? One more season on his rookie deal. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. You're about to sign Burrow to the largest contract ever. I mean, I might keep him around. I, I, But it depends on what he's going to want, right? If he's only got one more deal on his rookie year, maybe this is the time to move him. That's what I think because we've had this conversation during the playoffs and honestly for longer than that about quarterbacks on rookie deals and how valuable it is. The Bengals are about to have to pay Joe Burrow. The Bengals are about to lose that extremely um, 
that, that massive advantage you have when you have a good quarterback and you're paying him like $9 million. They're going to lose that because Joe Burrow's going to be getting $50 million, $50 million or whatever yeah. that cap hit ends up being. I think this is the right time to trade T. Higgins because the key for the Bengals from here on out is they're going to have to nail a good chunk of draft picks pretty much every season. Because even though quarterbacks are the most valuable, it's still extremely valuable to have edge rushers and receivers and corners and defensive tackles and offensive line. There's still other guys that give you extreme value when they're on their rookie contract. You naming the Raiders? So they need some of those too. But if I'm the Bengals... And if I can trade T Higgins, if somebody's going to give me like a first round pick T Higgins, I'm trading him right now. And then I, because I need to use that first round pick to get a different player on a rookie contract. And just to make it easy, let's say they draft another receiver. If they hit, they don't even have to have a superstar because Jamar Chase is there. They just need to have a good receiver. If they draft a good receiver with that pick, they get him for four years on his rookie deal, too, and they need to sort of continue that cycle of having receivers, edge rushers, corners, O-linemen, whatever it is, on rookie deals while they pay Joe was Burrow it, as much as they're going to pay Was it the him. Bengals GM whining about Buffalo? No, it was Buffalo whining about Cincinnati. About Cincinnati, okay. Yes. All right, about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and yeah. all those guys. He okay. was basically saying, we don't have a quarter, or we don't have the guys on the rookie contracts like they do, and huh. we don't pick in the top five because we haven't been terrible, or he's... Basically, yeah, he said, he's saying you had to be terrible to get a pick. Basically, he's saying I'd like to have Jamar Chase for absolutely nothing, right. but to get Jamar Chase for absolutely have to be nothing, terrible. you've got to pick in the top five, right. was his main point, but it came off like he was whining about Cincinnati yes. because he still kind of was whining about he Cincinnati. Was whining. But if I was Cincinnati, I think that's how you do it. Now, you still have to draft well, which obviously teams do, but I think that's it, it's a good time to trade him if you can get a high draft pick for him because... You need guys on rookie contracts to sort of offset what you're about to pay. Joe, Joe Burrow. Great question. Steph Curry is going to miss multiple weeks. He has a partial limit, ligament tear in his knee. We have sort of been looking mm. at the Warriors all season, being like, yeah, they get healthy in the playoffs. They can beat anybody. They're currently the seventh seed. They're currently in the play-in rounds. Should we still talk I mean, about them as, hey, when they're healthy, they're title contenders? This is the second time he's been hurt pretty badly this year. Yeah. So his body's not uh, helping him out this year. I I still think if they're fully healthy, I wouldn't want to play them. Let's put it this way. I don't know if they're legitimate title contenders, but I don't know if I'd want to play them in a series. Completely, We're just assuming completely yeah. healthy. Clay went for like 40-something last night, yeah. too, by the way. Um, if he's completely healthy, although the ligament tear in his knee... Can't be good. So here, here's how I, here's how I would look at it. Okay, you've got Denver, Memphis, Sacramento as the top three. Clippers are four. Dallas is five. Phoenix is six. Right. But then when you get to the play-in teams right now, it's Golden State, Minnesota, New Orleans, Utah, and then maybe Portland, OKC, or the Lakers can jump in there as well. Of the teams in the play-in rounds right now, they're pretty clearly the team you don't want to play. Right. Maybe if if the Pelicans got Zion back, but. I still think I'd rather play them than what the Golden State Warriors would be if healthy. But I'd rather play them than Denver. I'd rather play them than Memphis. I'd rather play them than the Clippers. 
Um, Even if they're completely healthy. Yeah, I think I'd rather play what Golden State is than those three teams. And I'm completely dumping on Sacramento, which is what we've been doing for a long time. Yeah, we're still, we still don't know how they've hung around. The Kings so are going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And we'll still be saying, how did, when are they going away? <laughs> we're going to be asking that question that we've asked for like a month now. When are those guys going away? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. This was a great quote over the weekend. This is from the Islanders general manager, Lou Lamarillo. He doesn't like the contract that he gave Bo Horvat. <laughs> so the Islanders trade for Bo Horvat from the Canucks. They then signed him to an eight-year deal worth eight and a half million dollars. And Lou Lamarillo said, quote, it's too long and it's too much money. And you're the one who gave it to him. Yes. Which is basically like he's the GM. He's fully aware of how much players uh, get he's paid. He's fully aware of what the market says. He knows he's got to pay it. And he still does it. But, but he doesn't he does like it, and he's going to yeah. complain about it, which is just like, that is uh, self-aware old man get off my lawn, right? Yes. Like, yes. a lot of times, old man get off my lawn is yes. not self-aware. They're just like, why are things changing? He's fully aware things are changing. He just doesn't like right. it. And is like, this is too long. My main question for Lou Lamarillo, though, does he know how much athletes in our other major sports get paid? He'd faint if he did. Because Can you imagine if you had to tell him Lamar Jackson's $100 million away on guaranteed money? My favorite thing that I looked up, Clint Capella makes $4 million more than Connor McDavid. <sighs> <laughs> Clint Capella makes more money. Than the best hockey player in the world. Than Connor McDavid. Yeah. Hockey players compared to our rest of our major sports do not make that much. Get nothing. Right. So I need Lou Lamarillo to do like a job swap with an NBA GM for a day. Oh, he'd faint. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> no, we, we want him to go through the whole free agency process. Yes. Yeah. Not just a day, go through a whole season of free agency and really see what it's like. And then he gets to day one and he's like, wait a minute. That guy's getting $22 million a year, and he didn't play? <laughs> He's on the bench? Oh, he'd love that. All right, coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump into some UNLV basketball. Okay, Mayor Adams, final question. If, uh, if City Hall was a professional sports team and you had a, a, an employee who gave you as much drama as Kyrie Irving has given the, the Brooklyn Nets, would, would, uh, and, and that employee said, could you trade me, would you do the trade? I will find a team that beats us the most and send him to that team because then we'll start beating that team. <laughs> it's about synergy and energy. No matter how much talent you have, your ability to interact with your colleagues is more important. One player can bring down the synergy of the team. And so I will send him to the team that beats us the most so we can start winning better. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Who was that? That was the mayor of New York City. That was actually like a relatively good response about, hey, uh, one guy can bring down a team no matter how good it is. And that seems like exactly what Kyrie Irving is. Uh, so he's trading him away. He should have said, I'm going to trade into the worst city in America. Uh, they, he said that, uh, I believe it was yesterday morning on New York News. Yeah, look at that. Smarter than the Cincinnati mayor. Yeah. <laughs> He, this guy waited until after Kyrie was gone, exactly. though. The Cincinnati mayor put himself out there. He was like, before ah. it happened. He's like, all right, let's, let's trash talk the Chiefs before the game happens. All right. UNLV basketball, they are back in action tomorrow night, taking on, uh, what is it? Tomorrow's in Wyoming. Wyoming. Uh, but 
Kevin Kruger talked yesterday and Mike Ramallah tweeted this out. Kevin Kruger called the loss to Fresno State an anomaly. What happened the first time? <laughs> Is that an anomaly? Two anomalies? Two anomalies in the same season? I don't think he's entirely wrong when he says it's an anomaly because Fresno State, again, they shot over 40% in both from three in both of those games. And it's like two of like five times that Fresno State has shot over 40% from three. Um, but I don't think as a head coach, you should come out and call it an anomaly when you've lost to them twice. Even if they are two anomalies, that just looks really bad because you're basically saying, oh, bad luck got us twice against one of the worst teams. And I'm sorry, in you the were, conference. The second. We we predicted blowouts. You're a ten point favorite the second time. You have to win that game. Right. It's you, you have to win that game. If this team if UNLV had actually had a good Mountain West season and we were still talking about the NCAA tournament, that loss would have like knocked them out yeah. of the NCAA tournament. A home loss to Fresno State. Like we would be talking about how that loss is why they're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, they kind of ruined their NCAA tournament chances in the previous ten games, so it's not that big of a deal, but it, we like, I would say this, if they were, if that was a loss that San Diego state, Boise state, Nevada, Utah state, New Mexico, if any of those teams suffered that loss, it's an unacceptable loss, right? right. New Mexico has one. They lost that Fresno state team. I think it was right. at Fresno though. It was at Fresno, but doing it at home is it's an unacceptable loss because it makes it, I think that makes it a quad three loss and that team's not any good. So, but UNLV is not playing for anything except mountain West seating. So not quite as a, Bad. By the way, Ed, I should tell you this. We, I, I know what you and I are going to be on the same side cheering for. UNLV needs to fall to the eight or nine seed. Okay. Because Mountain West tournament time, if you're the eight or nine seed, every time you play, it'll be the earliest yes. oh, game yes. of the oh, yes. day. Oh, yeah. If you're the six or seven, you're playing either the latest or the second latest game of the day. Yeah. If you're in the six or seven spot, you're playing that 930 start time on the first round of the right. tournament or whatever it is. And 930 start tends and in, turns into 1030 because some game went into double overtime right. earlier in the day. So you and I, we're going to be on the same page. Let's get that eight yes. or nine seed. Right now, Ken Palm projects you and I'll be get the seven seed. That's oh. no fun. That's no fun at all. So we need San Jose State. Could be the six o'clock game, though. Could be, but then the next game is the is if you're six seven and you win, your next game is then late anyways. It's but, eight thirty. Yeah. So San Jose State needs to stay at six, right? And then UNLV and Fresno State need to finish tied at the end of the year because Fresno, Fresno State, State will win has the tiebreaker. The, uh, tiebreaker of two. They'll wins. get seven, and UNLV will fall to eight and be in the 8-9. They're not going to do that for I us. I don't think so either. No, they're going to be 6 or 7. <laughs> they are 100% going to be 6 or 7. So here's a question for you, and I've had a couple people on Twitter uh, bring this up. Does Kevin Kruger have guaranteed job security beyond this season? I think he does. I think it's different than Arroyo. I think the AD likes him. <laughs> <laughs> so if they if they finish the Mountain West yeah. season, like 5-13, and 13, yeah, I think he, I and think go 1-1, one one I think he gives him another year. And it be, just comes down to him being more likable than, well, than Arroyo? No, I think there's more. I think probably. That there's has probably a lot, more that to, has it, a lot yeah. to do with it. Yeah. There's more to it. But I think he's I think he's fine. I've seen that stuff on Twitter as well. Um they don't really back it up with anything. Uh they kind of put veiled things out there about his his status and his future. But if you ask me in my opinion, he, he he gets a third year for sure. So to give you some details, Kevin Kruger's buyout uh, right now, 
or I guess actually technically the end of the season, they would owe him $3.1 million. Now, the way the buyout works is they pay it monthly throughout the life of the contract. But just like Marcus Arroyo, as soon as he gets a new job, UNLV stops paying the buyout. So if they fired Kruger, they'd pay him whatever the monthly amount would be. And then if he became an assistant coach three months later, they'd stop. They wouldn't have to pay him the buyout anymore. After next season, the buyout would be $2.35 million. So you save about $700,000, um, on buyout money, potentially, if you wait one season. The other part about Kruger that was brought up when he was hired, and I see UNLV fans bring it up on Twitter still. Do you think Kruger is more likely to keep his job, right? If there's ever a point where the athletic director does want to fire him, do you think he's more likely to keep his job because he's more likely to stay at UNLV. And that what I mean by that is in um, regards to Otzelberger left for his dream job. Chris Beard left for his dream job. Kevin Kruger, presumably. This was his dream job. This is his dream job. Is, excuse me, is. Does that make him, um, give him a, you know, a I mean, longer, more leeway with his job? I'm not thinking that's something an AD should be concerned with. Right. I don't think that an AD should be concerned with what's the best for his program. And I agree. There's just this weird uh, tent on the UNLV job because of Chris Beard and TJ Otzelberger that you're going to lose a guy eventually. Like even when they don't have success, they might lose the guy. So I, that's just always brought up. I don't know if the athletic director cares too much about that, but I don't know if he should probably shouldn't. Um, but I am curious about that. And then here's the real question. Do you believe Kevin Kruger can take UNLV to the NCAA tournament? That's a tough one because they haven't been close. Right. They, they they haven't been close. They weren't close last year. Look, I mean, this year, yeah, and there's still the conference tournament that they could essentially, I guess, win. Although four and four days with the way they, they score sometimes, I think is going to be really difficult to do something like that. Um, but at this point, I don't know how you'd say a, an affirmative yes because they haven't come close in two yeah. years. And, again, they can win the conference tournament this year. I think Kevin Kruger's been somewhat on the, the the right path, right? He's gone to the transfer portal, back-to-back seasons. He's gotten some good players out of the transfer portal, guys that weren't playing at power conferences, right? You know, you look at Donovan Williams, Royce Ham, Luis Rodriguez. These are like good players that weren't getting a ton of opportunity that they found, and they're they're good players. But I think the problem for Kruger is he has not had a great foundation here um, because I, I went through the top five teams in the Mountain West to look at sort of the guys in their main rotation and how many were transfers? Boise State, two of their top eight are transfers. San Diego State, four of their top nine transfers. New Mexico, four of their top seven transfers. Nevada, four of eight, and Utah State, four of nine. Clearly getting transfers matter, right? You, you're going to need to you get transfers. You have to in this day and age. You have to get transfers. But the key for all those teams is they had anywhere from six to five uh, five. They had like four, five, six guys that are in their main rotation that they recruited as high schoolers and have been there for a couple of years. UNLV this year, seven of their top eight guys in minutes are transfers. Right. Keyshawn Gilbert's the only one. Keyshawn Hall might get there, but he didn't play a lot early in the season. But basically, UNLV's entire Kevin Kruger has had to rebuild his entire team in two off seasons, right? Both times. That's going to be really hard to do if that's what you do every season. There needs to be some roster continuity among good players, obviously. If guys aren't any good, let them go. But there needs to be some roster continuity. And instead of filling the entire roster every offseason with transfers, it's, hey, we need to fill two holes, right? It's We have two 
Right. We, we lost two, two really good players. Right. And we need to find two really good players to fill them. Instead of we lost our entire roster, we've got to redo our entire right. roster, which is what they did this offseason. It's only Gilbert was back and he wasn't even a main player last year. They've got to have some roster continuity this offseason and next offseason because you're most unless you just kill it, you're most likely not going to hit on six, seven, eight transfers in the offseason. Right. You can hit on two or three. That's not too terribly difficult, but it's really hard when you need to have six or seven guys. It's hard to hit on that many transfers. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Charles McDonald joins the show. He covers the NFL, but only a college football team can bring him happiness. Perfection wears red and black tonight. 15-0. The dogs have done it and won a second consecutive national title. Yahoo Sports' Charles McDonald joins the show. Follow him at 4Verts on Twitter. Hello, Charles. Hey, Charles. Hey. All right, important question for you. Can you walk us through your Andy Reid mac and cheese story here? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so I guess like five years ago, almost to the day. Um, well, not quite. Well, yeah, I guess it was early March. Uh, I was covering the, uh, the the NFL Combine for the first time. Uh, and I had been on the road for two weeks because the week before that, I was speaking at a the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston. Uh, and I remember my, my, my flight back to Baltimore had gotten delayed, and I was kind of pissy because I was tired. Uh, so I dropped my bags off in this, this row seat for the airport that was empty. Uh, and then I took a lap around the airport, and when I came back to my bags, uh, the entire Chiefs coaching staff was sitting uh, where I put my stuff. So... It was like just, just by chance. I, I sat back down, and uh, one of the coaches who was sitting next to me, I think he was like a defensive quality control coach at the time. Somehow we started talking about like our favorite Thanksgiving dishes. I, I don't really know how we got on the subject because it was like March. Um, not really time to be talking about Thanksgiving recipes, but uh, Andy overheard us, and he just perked up. Like He, he was like, you guys talking about Thanksgiving recipes? And we're like, uh, yeah, we sure are. And he said, uh, you know, he he's like, oh, I, I got a, like a wicked mac and cheese recipe that you got to try. Um, and I said, oh, I mean, that sounds great to me, but like, I'm gonna forget it if you just tell it to me right now. And he said, no, 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 it's cool. Like, I'll just he's like, give me your phone number, I'll text it over to you. Uh, and he sent me this mac and cheese recipe, but he has like on the note app in his phone, he has just hundreds of recipes like just written down <laughs> on the notes app in his phone and he copy and pasted the uh the, the mac and cheese recipe to me. Uh and I asked like a poster, you said yeah and, and it went viral that day. Uh so it it was kinda of like a, a full circle moment last night getting to talk to him about it at the Super Bowl because when I asked him about it at the time, I was still freelancing. Like I didn't even have a full time job at at the time. So I use that story uh, a ton to get my first full-time <laughs> job uh, at SB Nation. And I remember when I when I officially got the job, I texted Andy back, like, you know, that I'd use the story to help me secure this job. And he just texted back in all caps, let's eat. So five <laughs> years later, here I am covering my first Super Bowl for Yahoo Sports. Andy's here. 
why I have to talk to him about it. And uh, it was a nice little full circle moment. He said I look good, which is something that no one could ever take away from me. Andy <laughs> Reid said I'm handsome. So, okay, I have a lot of questions here about the other recipes on his phone. Andy Reid is just walking around with a phone that's full of recipes? Yeah, like handwritten. Well, I guess not handwritten, but they're, they're in his notes app. Uh, uh, <laughs> which, which is why it was funny when he was like, uh, when I asked him what I was talking about it last night, he, he said, but I can pull up my phone and find it because he does have just a ton of recipes to save on his phone, which to me is like maybe the most Andy Reid fact of all Andy Reid facts that he just has recipes <laughs> written down on the notes app of his phone ready to go at a moment's notice when, you know, a, a lonely reporter is fuming about having to miss a, or having to wait flight. Uh, so, you know, he cheered my day up with the, uh, with that recipe five years ago, I think I got the cheers light up last night because he was he was kind of like on cruise control through those questions until I asked him about the mess and he lit up, which was which was pretty funny. Can the Eagles win the Super Bowl by distracting Andy Reid in the fourth quarter by asking him about Thanksgiving food? <laughs> no, because it's still Patrick Mahomes. We know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, well, you, you guys know the bit, but like. I, you, this this offense could run itself as long as fifteen is out there. They'll be they'll be okay, and they got a chance. All right, you were here. Uh, what did you think of the Pro Bowl? What did you think of the format? Oh, I, I had a blast. Uh, I don't I don't know if well, okay, well I do know my uh, my view is it was definitely warped because I was just hanging out with the players for a week, which was a whole lot of fun. Uh, they're pretty relaxed. Uh, the access is pretty cool for like the first event, the skills challenge. Um, you could just grab guys as they're walking up the field, and and everyone's having a good time. Uh, I I thought it was cool, you know. I just, because to me the biggest problem with the Pro Bowl was that the guys weren't engaged in like what was going on anymore, which is uh, which is it, it makes for a bad product, right? So. Uh, I, I think just even if it's not football, these guys are such good athletes that, you know, watching them do just about any athletic activity ends up becoming something worth watching as long as they are uh, engaged and want to be there. So that that was something that I kind of took away from it. Uh, like as, as, as long as, you know, you can get Saquon Barkley in a spot where he's having like an intense dodgeball one-on-one match with someone else, and making like matrix style moves to get away from the the, the, the dodgeballs. To me, that that's worth watching. It's more it's more you know uh, entertaining than like the half speed football game that they've been playing for the past fifteen years. So I I, I think there needs to be some tweaks that need to be made. I, I think they could probably scratch like the the catch contest idea because I I I was there when they were practicing the the uh, the. Uh, their catches, which is, I guess supposed to be like the dunk contest, but for catches, I was there when they were practicing, uh, and they almost didn't complete like any <laughs> any of the attempts that they were making. Like uh, there, there was one, there was one practice attempt where, like Amon Rodson Brown, he was trying to do like backflips on a trampoline as Christian McCaffrey was throwing him a pass, and he like there was one where it looked like he was to break his leg real quick, but. <laughs> Um, he, he was able to bounce back. So I think we just need to, to scrap that, move on to something maybe a little bit more feasible. But outside of that, 
it was fun because the guys were having fun themselves. Do you feel bad for these centers during the flag football game that just have to spend the whole time snapping and going down to one knee? Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, I don't know. Can, can we just like have every every snap just be like an automatic shotgun snap? That that kind of made no sense to me. You're just wasting time out there. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was dumb. But my I think my favorite part was the uh, like the, the strongman competition, like the, the move the chain stuff, where the guys have to throw the weights off. Uh, the the dummies and then pull them ten yards. That was my favorite part because after the the uh, the whole thing was over, going back to the locker room, those guys who were in the the chain game thing, they were kind of beating their chest. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons had a, he had a video on his phone and he had someone take with him as he was pulling like two feet away, and he was so proud of that because he he pulled like six forty five pound plates off at once and then pulled it uh, across. So. Uh, like I said, anytime you can get these guys like, excited about what they're doing, you, you get a quick reminder that they're like top 1% athletes in the whole world, and that is fun to watch them compete in. Do I even need to ask you who, who you think wins the Super Bowl? Jeez. Uh, all right. And just because of Patrick Mahomes. All right. That's all we need from you. He's well, Charles yeah, I mean, McDonald. Look, look at the quarterbacks <laughs> that played. They, they haven't even snitched anyone as good as this guy. So I, I, I think it will be a good game. I think it will be a close game, but. One team has the most underrated player in the league. Patrick <laughs> Obama Holmes is second. He's Charles McDonald. Follow on Twitter at Four Birds. Charles, we appreciate Thanks, it. Charles. Yeah. So there's Charles McDonald from Yahoo Sports on uh, the NFL coming up, and Andy Reid. Okay. I mean, do okay. Do you? Danny was nodding his head as if he has recipes on his phone. I do. How many? Uh, I think only like two or three. Okay. Not Thanksgiving recipes, just. Uh, other stuff? Actually, no. I think one of them is a stuffing recipe. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, stuffing and a chili recipe. Because here's here's the thing. Why, why are they on your phone? Uh, because they're my mom and my stepdad's recipes, and I didn't feel like writing down okay. the whole thing because I know I'd lose it, so okay. I just put it in my phone. It's like a family recipe. This is the digitalized version right. of writing stuff down. I, I got you there. It, the way Charles tells the story makes it sound like Andy Reid has like 50 recipes yeah. on his phone. I I would be very interested in learning those recipes. And, and it's like, oh, at a moment's notice, he might need to cook, and the only thing on him is his phone. And he's like, ah, yeah. i got to pull up the recipe. Whereas almost any time you cook, it's not a surprise, yeah. and you've got like, oh, I've got my laptop. I'll just look up the recipe on that website that I went to or whatever. Not, ah, oh, what's my handwritten here it is, and I'm, I'm I'm at somebody else's house, and all of a sudden they want me to cook mac and cheese. I better be ready to go. Did you see the mac and cheese recipe? There's a lot of cheese. Six six different six, types of cheese? Six to seven different types of oh, cheese. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm a big <laughs> cheese person. Really? Oh, yeah. I put cheese on almost every every meal outside of breakfast. Is your primary goal now to eat Andy Reid's mac and cheese? It might make the list, yeah. 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 Uh, I want to know, like, what the... Like, I mean, what the secret recipe, like the secret ingredient is. So the cheeses are mozzarella, Parmesan, cheddar, Gouda, Fontina. Um, I don't see if there's any other details on what you do to, to make it Mix special. It up. There's got, there's got to be that one special ingredient. It's Andy Reed. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. There's one Thanksgiving dish that you can ask him about. What would it be? I think mine might be stuffing. I don't know. Do other Thanksgiving 
what other foods require significant like recipes? recipes. Nothing Stuffing, really. mac and cheese. Like if you make a casserole, I guess. Yeah. That would require it, but it's, yeah. everything else is kind of like like you, mashed potatoes. Just mashed yeah. potatoes. I mean, who knows what he might put in his? But That's, he might have the best mashed potatoes. Yeah, ever. exactly. <laughs> Green bean casseroles. Four ingredients. Right. Like, it, there's not a whole lot of it's actual recipes for Thanksgiving. So it's probably stuff. wonder what his jelly recipe is. Oh, that's probably a good one, too, being in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Somebody hook it up. Give me Andy Reid's number. I need to know these in, these uh, recipes. Our uh, degenerate sports better could get Andy Reid's number and wouldn't ask him anything about, about Patrick Mahomes' ankle or anything like that. Nothing. He'd just be like, all right. So tell me about this mac and cheese. Yeah, I, would, I would talk to him comparing food of Kansas City versus Philly and just talking to him about these recipes he keeps. <laughs> All right. We got tickets to give away to go see Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is coming to Las Vegas. He's playing at MGM Grand Garden in March, March 4th and 11th. And we have a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. If you want to go see Jimmy Buffett in March at MGM Grand Garden, be caller number eight right now at 702-364-1100. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Ed, did you uh, follow Bobby Petrino on Twitter in his short time as the UNLV offensive coordinator? Only to see his uh, grandchildren in UNLV gear. He just tweeted out this morning, I will always cherish my time at Missouri State. Missouri State, I saw that whole uh, go Bears. Tweet. Yeah, and go then Bears. A, and then a message um, to Bears football, and the majority of the responses are, "What about UNLV? Are they saying that? Where's your thanks to UNLV and your brief three week stay as the UNLV offensive coordinator? Why did it take Bobby Petrino three months? I know. Why is he months, thanking them now? Months? Yeah, he left in early December. Yeah. Took him two months. It's a weird cat, man. It's a weird cat. I I, I want to know what those kids did with that gear. Now they're Texas A&M gear. Oh, the UNLV gear? What did they do with that gear? They had they had beanie caps on. They had shirts on. They had sweatshirts on. Tell you what, he he, he in three weeks, he got himself some gear there. He was able he to did? go over to the bookstore wherever he went to get those gear. It's here long enough for that. Uh, you keep it, don't you, if you're the kids? I know his kids probably aren't old enough. The parents are probably making the decision. but Right. Yeah, they were pretty small. I just want to keep it. I'd I mean, it's, like, uh, it's basically like what it, what do they do with all the uh, all the stuff from the last school he coached at? From Missouri State, go Bears? Yeah, I doubt they just, oh, he's gone, let's throw it away. They probably just put it in the but closet. But at least he coached there for, I think, two seasons. Yeah, this is exactly. like three weeks, and their dad doesn't want to even acknowledge UNLV exists ever again for the rest of his life. <laughs> Did Chris Beard get any gear when he was here? For his kids, I'm not so sure. Because the only he had like teenage kids. The only appearances I remember, he was in a suit. So uh, his press conference and the board of regents. And the board meetings, of regents, he was in suits. He wasn't in like, oh yeah, I showed up in my UNLV sweatsuit. Wow, he wasn't today. here long enough to get the sweatsuit. Maybe he was. Maybe he got one. Got on that plane and flew off with a UNLV hoodie on. Yeah, well. That would have been great if he was negotiating his Texas Tech contract while wearing a UNLV hoodie. Don't know what he's done lately with his Texas gear. That's a good point. forgot about that. <laughs> Are we allowed to joke about Chris Beard still? I mean, have we joked? Well, we've joked about his stay here. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Are we allowed Texas? to joke about that given that he was arrested for beating up his wife or girlfriend? 
No, we're not joking about that. No, no, but sure. I know. Are we allowed to joke about him being I here for yes. 10 days? I would say yes. When the new context of Chris can, Beard. Um, because we're not, we're, not discussing, we're not discussing that situation. We're joking about right. his short stint. So I would say yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just always forget about it because Chris Beard, in my mind, is the guy that was here for 12 days or whatever it was. But the real context now is, oh, he got fired from He's Texas that guy. because... He's that guy. Yeah, he might have been physically abusing his wife or... Was it girlfriend his, or his wife? Fiance. Okay, fiance, that's what it was. So, yeah, just, you know, what what is that there? So, I don't know what to do exactly. Um, yeah, so I have a question for you. What do you think... I'm, I've been spending our commercial breaks looking at NBA records. What is going to be more unbreakable... Wilt Chamberlain's rebound record or John Stockton's assist record? So to give you the context here, Chamberlain has 23,900 rebounds. Next closest is Bill Russell with 21,000. The closest active player. Oh, I am scrolling quite a ways here. I don't even know who the closest active player is. Nobody. Is the answer to that question? I would say probably assists are harder because you're relying on somebody else to make a basket. Hold Rebounds, on. you just kind of got to be in the right place at the right time. See, I was going to say it's easier to break assists because you get assists for just looking at guys. That is true. There is. Am I missing somebody? There is not an active player in the top 50 all-time re- of rebounds. Well, that tells you a lot. Not even LeBron? Oh, there he is. You're right. LeBron is 32nd. I think it's... Is there nobody else that's active? What's happening here? Oh, big guys don't play very long, I think, is the problem. No, they big don't. guys play like eight years now. I do think it's going to be easier to break assists because how easy they give them out. Rebounds, you either get the rebound or you don't. So Stockton has uh, 15,800 assists. Jason Kidd is second with 12,000. Chris Paul, active, is third with 11,200. Well, he's not going to break it. He needs 4,600 no. more. LeBron is fourth with 10,350. He won't break it. Um, no. I, there's a chance neither one gets broken. I mean, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be like, what, averaging 10 assists a year for more than 20 years to pass Stockton? Yeah. Something like that. And then for rebounds. Rebounds. I'm stunned. There's one active player in the top 50, and it's LeBron James and rebounds. Right. I, I, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be a big guy that plays 20 years, right. which is not and, real. Yeah. Like, it doesn't happen. Like, big guy, I mean, hell, just to, not that Zion's a true, like, seven-foot He foot can't center, play a but, season. Right. He's not even, like. He's hurt all the time. He's not even, like, 32 yet. Right. The guy's still in his early 20s, yeah. and he's never on the floor. So, I assists are going to be a little bit easier just because a, a point guard could conceivably play for 22 years, whereas right. a big guy. Is not going to do it for That's 20. not going to happen. You're just, you're getting, like, eight good years out of him, and that's it.